Good morning. Thanks for that, Drew. My name is Jake Oshbacher. Um, for those of y'all that have not met me or have not introduced myself, I'm the associate pastor here at Gathering Midtown, and it's um, a real privilege for me to be able to get up and, and speak with y'all this morning and open the word together. Um, for those of y'all that haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, uh, we are going through uh, in the season of Lent, the life of Joseph, and it's really uh, been an amazing time for me in my spiritual walk just because of the way that God has used Joseph to reveal not only how our Father God moves with and loves us as his children and has done that ever since the beginning of, of time, but it's also really beautiful because it, he continues to reveal and enrich the way that I view Christ Jesus and his character and who he was. And so I'm really excited to to continue on in that tradition this morning. Um, yeah, this morning, like Drew said, we're in the, in the fifth week of Lent, and we begin uh, in Genesis chapter 41. Um, it's a really long chapter, and through my study this week, I found out why, and it's just because it's, it's the pinnacle turning point for Joseph in his character, in his identity, and who he is. Um, and it's the end of a 14-year period of time where God has uh, completely changed who he is, um, removed barriers from his life, and called him into something that's really amazing and great. So um, I want to encourage y'all this coming week, we're not going to read the entirety of the chapter here this morning. I'm going to break out some of that scripture for you as we go through the scripture. Uh, scriptures in that entire chapter this morning, but yeah, I, I do encourage y'all to, to break out the Bible if you haven't in a while and, and read through that entire chapter. It's really amazing. Um, so uh, in Joseph's story, uh, we'll see that he kind of comes out of this period of time where a lot has happened to him. Uh, Sydney and I had a similar experience. I moved to Austin, Texas in um, the year 2005, 2006. And it was a 10-year period of time where the man that I was, boy I was, going to Austin and the man I was leaving Austin were very different people. And the reason I love story so much and telling story and reading good stories is because of the word transformation. I love seeing people uh, transform. I love seeing people change for the better. And what God did in my life in those 10 years um, as I look back and continue to uh, excavate those years of my life, as I see how I am actually the minor role player in that story, and I get to watch God do amazing things throughout those 10 years. And so, again, like I said, as we're going to see in the story with Joseph, we saw, I can see, and Sydney can see in my story, and who I transformed into be, um, the grace of God coming alongside me and saying, um, I am for you. I love you so much. And uh, there is an identity that I want you to step into. There is a, a man of God. There is a woman of God for y'all out there that, that I want you to step into. I want you to become that person so that you can have full and whole life with me. So as we dive into the scriptures, that's kind of our focus for today is what has God been doing with Joseph? First off, uh, in, Gen in Genesis 41, nine, chapter, chapter 41, verses 9 through 13, we see this amazing 
thing happen. Um, if we remember Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus, Joseph is, is foreshadowing. Oh, um, uh, Joseph is essentially forgotten by his family. His brothers deceive his father, Jacob. He's forgotten. He's sold into slavery, which then he is brought out of slavery into Potiphar's house. When he's in Potiphar's house, he's uh, thrown back into jail for circumstances that were beyond his control. And then he's put in jail. When he's in jail, he's given the opportunity by God to uh, decipher some dreams by the cupbearer and the baker who were there. He does that, and after doing so, he says to the, the cupbearer, hey, uh, when you get out and you go and you're talking to Pharaoh, be like, hey, I met this guy Joseph, pretty neat, can decipher dreams, maybe let's bring him out. But at the end of last week's sermon, what Drew reminded us was at the very beginning of this chapter 41, first four words, after two whole years, Joseph wasn't remembered by the cupbearer. He was completely forgotten again. And so we see this trend in Joseph's life of being forgotten, not being remembered. The people of God, us included in that, who are called to be people who remember, they forget him. But amazingly, at the beginning of the chapter here, we see that Joseph is remembered. Why is Joseph remembered? Well, Pharaoh has these dreams, right? He has the dreams about the ugly cows, and he has the dreams about the stalks of wheat. Um, so Joseph, uh, Pharaoh gets all of his wisest counsel around him. He says, I have these dreams. The first one is some beautiful cows come up out of the river. Right after they come out of the river, some ugly kind of dead-looking zombie cows come out and eat them and devour them. And then it says that Pharaoh goes back to sleep, and then he wakes back up because he has a second dream. And in the second dream, there are healthy stalks of grain that come off, off, off of the chute. And again, right after that, the seven stalks are overtaken. And that seven number, the seven cows and the seven stalks, are the key for Joseph in the interpretation of these dreams for Pharaoh. So um, he's, he's pulled from the pit, though, to come into this position of authority with Pharaoh. But what is the hinge point there for Joseph? What does he do? How, does he, how has he changed? What are those two years in the prison look like? What did the 14 years total that he's been in slavery or in prison look like for him? And who was he? Who was that man that came out on the back end? Well, there's a really cool almost, if you don't really think about the significance of it, you kind of just read right past it. In verse 14, chapter 41, it says, then Pharaoh, because the cupbearer says, hey, I know this guy. I remember him now. It took me two years to do it, but I remember him. You should get him. He knows a lot about dreams. Pharaoh says, okay, bring him to me. And he calls for Joseph. And they quickly brought him out of the pit. This is the only place in Scripture where multiple places of residing, a home, a pit, and prison, are all verbally called pit. The author of this book wants us to keep in mind that Joseph is somewhere that is low and that God is going to use his power to bring him high, right? Bring him in. He brings him out of the pit. And when Joseph had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. 
he was ready to move on after those 14 years. And the interesting thing is that he could have had a really bad attitude. Uh, 14 years of slavery and imprisonment, it may have made me a little bit bitter. I don't know, maybe. But Joseph says, no, the Pharaoh, the king, is calling me. He's calling my name. So he shaves himself. He clothes himself in clean clothing, and he prepares himself to go before the king. Hear what the king has to say. Um, it, it's interesting because it, the whole of the Bible seems to be about that there's a common thread of God using clothing in accordance with his people that's used over and over and over and over and over again. So think about the bravery it took for Joseph to say, yeah, one more time. Hey, Dad, thanks for this Technicolor dream coat. It's really cool. Oh, now I'm in the pit. Okay, well, now I'm not in the pit anymore. I'm a slave, but I live in Potiphar's house, and I have some responsibilities, and life's pretty good. My clothes are taken from me again by Potiphar's wife. He's back in the pit. We know that Joseph is not a dumb guy, and so he's able to see the patterns that his life is taking. And so, you know, for me personally, if you had asked me, hey, come and step into this same story, the same rhythm again of clothing yourself for something that's ahead of you, I might have said, you know what? I kind of don't want to be a slave or a prisoner again. I'm kind of comfortable where I am, so I'm not going to do that. But what does he do? He says he shaves and he prepares himself. He clothes himself again to go before the king. And keep in mind that, uh, so Potiphar was the uh, captain of the guard for Pharaoh. In both this scripture here in 41 and in the, and in the chapter before, it says that uh, Joseph, the cupbearer, and the baker were all sent to the captain of the guard's house. So did he ever leave Potiphar's house? He was there the entire time. So it's this reality that his, his situation has not changed at all. He's been in this very stagnant place, but God has continued to work in him. So like I said, Pharaoh has all these dreams, um, and he, uh, he calls out Joseph. Joseph comes before him prepared and ready for the task at hand. The question is, in the two years between Joseph being put in prison and Joseph being brought out of prison to decipher the dreams of the Pharaoh, what happened in those two years? Because as we see in the scriptures, Joseph has not always put God first. He's not always been super excited about the task at hand. Um, in Genesis chapter 39, a few weeks ago, uh, Joseph is confronted by Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife said, I want you to lay with me. You're a slave. I want you to lay with me. You're my property. And Joseph says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as we said in that, in that sermon, there was a reality to Joseph's life at that point that he did not want to let go of, even for sex. He had finally been brought out of slavery to a point and been put in a position where life was pretty comfortable. I don't want to mess that up, right? He's in the center of the story. Moving on, we go to Genesis 40. Um, Joseph says, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. This is when he's talking to the cupbearer and the baker. So he goes directly from, aren't interpretations from God Okay, yeah, okay, but yeah, tell them to me because I'm the one, I'm the one that can do this. 
I'm the one with the power and the ability here. That's my gifting. So now, G so now God has come in closer to being the center of the universe, but Joseph still says, yeah, you're, I recognize you. You're here, though. You're kind of orbiting me, but I'm still the center. And we finally get to a place where in chapter 41, verse 16, Joseph says that it says that he answers Pharaoh because Pharaoh asks him, interpret my dreams as you did these other men. I want to know what they mean. What do these seven cows mean? What do these seven stalks of grain mean? Joseph says, it is not in me, but God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Now, in the same way that he went right into it, with the baker and the cupbearer, Joseph does go directly into the interpretation of the dreams, but it is, here's scripture over here, here's me, okay? I think that Joseph had come to a place of such confidence in his identity in God that once he had heard the dreams, once he had heard God's word in those dreams, he felt empowered in his identity as a son of God to move directly into the interpretations. But what did he do first? The first thing he did was say, it is not in me. I do not have the power to do this. God will do it. But he will still, but Joseph still moved confidently in his gifting. So, so far we have Joseph being remembered, being brought out of the pit, being asked again by God to interpret his, his to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh using his gifting. So Joseph does it. Joseph says, yeah, seven cows, uh, seven stalks of grain, two different dreams, one meaning. God begins revealing to Joseph, hey, this is what you need to say to Pharaoh. Pharaoh uh, is very happy with Joseph's interpretations. Joseph says, you're going to have seven really plentiful years, the, the stock of your grain and your ability to uh, grow well and quickly is going to be really high. You're going to have a great seven years. It's going to be incredibly plentiful. But right after that, we had the de we had the the deathly wind blown stalks taking over the live ones. We had the dead cows coming out and eating the live ones, the healthy ones. Seven years of famine will come and devour those seven healthy years. So I'm guessing that it really scared Pharaoh because not only did the wisest men in his council not have an answer for him, he clearly didn't have an answer for himself either. Joseph goes on to say, so, and this is again, this is Joseph saying, I'm no longer a slave. I am fully identified as a son of God. In these two years I spent in prison, whatever happened, because scripture doesn't tell us what happened in those two years. But he's become this new confident man in God being the center of the universe and him being asked by God to do great things and him saying, yes, Lord. So what does he do? He steps into his gifting as a leader. He says, hey, Pharaoh, uh, you need to start doing this, that, and the other thing. He doesn't ask for permission from Pharaoh. He doesn't say to the wise guys, hey, uh, can I maybe mention something to him real quick? No. He goes directly from the interpretations into here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. You just came out of slavery, bro. Like, what are you doing? He's living in confidence of his identity. So what does he say? 
He says, hey, uh, so for these seven years, we're going to need to produce as much as we possibly can. We're going to need to store it all up in the different cities that we have here in our surrounding communities um, to prepare for the seven years of famine. Then everything will be fine after that. Pharaoh's like, great. Pharaoh's happy. I want to read um, Genesis 41, 37 through 45. Do we have it up there? Thank you. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we, fan, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Question mark. Can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Secular, multiple God believing Pharaoh. Hmm. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all of this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my whole house, and all my people shall order themselves as, your command, as you command. Only as regards uh, the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. So comes to Potiphar's house. Potiphar says, you're over everything I have. Again, the parallelism here. Hey, I'm Pharaoh. I'm going to give you all of Egypt. Then the Pharaoh took a signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all of the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphanath Paneath. And he gave him in marriage to Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. So Joseph went out over the entire land of Egypt. Joseph is called out of slavery, out of imprisonment. And I believe that God is using Pharaoh to redeem the father wounds that Joseph has been given in his life. And he's given power and authority and a new name. In the book of Revelation from our last series, we know that um, well, that's one of the things we get when we get to heaven. When we experience the kingdom in its fullness as God will reveal to us a new name. So People's names and people's names that are changing in Scripture are incredibly important. The other thing that Joseph is given is a ring. And so uh, the signet rings of Egypt look something like this, um, maybe a little bit, you know, a little ornate like this here, this one here as well. And so what those symbols are, as y if y'all can hearken back to elementary school when we learned about Egypt, um, that is someone's name. And so what Pharaoh did for Joseph by giving him a ring was saying, my name, the authority that comes with my name is now bestowed to you completely. That's why he was able to, to say with all authority to Joseph, Egypt is yours now. Because now you're working in my authority, you're working under my authority. Where else do we see a ring given to someone? The prodigal son comes back from being, I don't know, let's say in the pit. 
And his father says, when he sees him coming down the road, he says, bring the coat, bring the ring. Put this ring on my son's hand, for he is mine. That's his identity. That's the, that's the prodigal son's identity. He is his father's son, first and foremost. So what we see here, the beautiful parallelism, parallelism is that Joseph's father wounds, intentional or not on Jacob's part, are being rene- redeemed in such a way by God as to offer him authority, power, and a new name. That name being Zaphanath Panea. And we'll touch, we'll touch in on that in a bit. It's an important name. And like I said, Joseph steps right in from, hey, uh, fresh off the boat here, got my clean shave and my new clothes, and I'm interpreting dreams, I'm using my gifting, and I'm, I, I am living in such confidence right now that I'm just going to start kind of telling the Pharaoh of Egypt what to do. Here's the plan. So he steps, he, he steps into and begins to use his gifting powerfully. What were some of his, I mean, if we're really going to list it out, what were, what were his gifts and what were they being used for? So uh, I'm going to read Genesis 41, 46 to 49. It says, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of the Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. So, okay, here's your new clothes. Here's a cool necklace and, my, and a ring with my name on it. You're in my authority. Joseph says, cool, man. I'm going to go get this taken care of for you and heads out the door to work. Okay. During the seven plentiful years... The earth produced abundantly, and he gathered up all of the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt. So seven super plentiful years of growth. And he put the food in the cities. He put in every city the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. So Joseph is being used by God as a way for the people, for the children of God, whether they recognize him or not, to prepare for the darkness that lay ahead in their life. Uh, The translation basically would say that Joseph was the prime minister of Egypt. He He was being used to save many lives and... Um... His leadership skills with persuasiveness and being able to communicate with people all over the country to have one singular goal in mind was being used. He was a businessman. He was smart and cunning. He was the agricultural czar. He had wisdom, God's wisdom, to say we have to save for the future. And as a dignitary, he had relational skills. Not everybody was going to be like uh, Pharaoh and the, the higher-ups of the, civil, of the uh, government at the time. Sometimes he was going to be talking to a farmer and he had the skills to do that. We all have gifting. We all have things that God has bestowed in us that we can offer to people as gifts, offer to our community, our church, families, neighborhoods, uh, in our work, in our jobs. Joseph was taken through a 14-year journey through hardship and pain and refinement so that his skills on the back end of that pain could be used for the goodness of not only himself, not only the Pharaoh, but of all the known world. So the question for us is, what are, what are our giftings? What are the things that we're gifted with that we can use to bestow grace and peace uh, upon others, that we can use to better um, those around us? 
First application question for reflection is, what gift do you have that you can only attribute to God? So we, we can call these bestowed giftings, things that you are just naturally good at, natural gifting. Um, one for me is empathy. Uh, I'm, I don't ever remember reading a book about empathy. Uh, I just have always been that way. So that's something that God has given me that he has used in mighty, way, mighty, mighty ways. The second application question here is what are ways that you've used this gifting to bless people? This is a really, if you don't know the answer to question one, this is a really good way to find that answer. What are ways that you've used this gifting to bless people? What is something that you see yourself doing over and over and over again to bless and to love those around you? That might be a gifting of yours. And then lastly, lastly are you using this gift or hiding it out of fear and insecurity? Some of you are being called into new positions occupationally that you're scared of, but you have the giftings for it you're being called into, and there's a barrier of fear there. Are you ready to confront that? Some of you are being called into using giftings with your family. Are you prepared to use your giftings for that as well, to love and to bless, to oversee and to um, facilitate health in your home? Just a few questions for you to ponder. Lastly, we see this man transformed, this man who's come out of the darkness of the pit, who had had two years that we don't really know a whole lot about. He comes out of that completely ready for the task at hand. There's, there's, there's no weariness in him. There's complete confidence in who he is. Again, he interprets the dreams and goes straight into work. We don't see him asking Pharaoh, hey, is cool with you? No. We have to do this to save Egypt. Sorry. Let's go. This is also the first time in the story of Joseph where we really see Joseph acknowledge the goodness of God and the work that he's done in his life. How do we see him do that? Well, we see him do it in chapter 41 again. Uh, chapters 50 through 52 and 56 through 57. I'm going to focus on 50 through 52. It says, before the year of famine came, so in the seventh year of plenty, two sons were born to Joseph. Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bore him to them, bore them to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for Joseph said, God has made me forget all my hardship in all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And so they're, they're towards the end of the chapter. It's just two verses. But we see Joseph, because Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, there's a lot of verbal interaction between them and God, a lot of them talking to and with him. We don't see that with Joseph for some reason. With Joseph's story, we're given this 30,000-foot view where we get to see things happening in Joseph's life's life before he does. But here in this moment where we see the completion of his character into the real identity of a son of God, someone who has authority in the Father's name, yeah, he's been given authority with Pharaoh, but most importantly, authority with the Father, 
having placed God in the rightful in his rightful place, the center of the universe. He says twice, God has and God has. Those are the names of the meanings of his sons. God has done a work. I recognize this. I see it. And I honor you, Father, for it. So where, where's J- Joseph pointing us to Jesus in all of this? Where, is, where are we being shown that Jesus is the better Joseph here? Zephaniah Panea, the name that Pharaoh gives to Joseph, translated means revealer of secrets and savior of the world. At the end of the scriptures in 41, verse 57, it says, Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt and to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all of the earth. So where does the interpretation come to light? In Egypt. Where does the famine, what areas does the famine affect? The whole earth. By, by Joseph stepping into his full identity as a son, He's used by God to save the world. So too, we know that Jesus has come to us as the son of God in his full identity and full righteousness, fully humbling himself to the authority of God, being the revealer of secrets, telling us all about the kingdom and saving us from our sin. And back to the garments says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. What did Joseph get? Oh, all things. Okay. And that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. So whereas Joseph was again asked to put something on, Jesus shows us that in the true identity of God's children, we can remove the garments and the poses that we have and trust him fully, that he wants to use our gifts for something good. He wants to use our gifts for something great, even if we're coming out of a place of darkness, going to a place of light or the opposite. Jesus is the better Joseph. He shows us that the simplicity of that relationship with us and the Father is enough. We don't need more. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time, and we are most thankful for your word and what it reveals to us about ourselves, what it reveals to us about who you are, and what it reveals to us about who we are in you. God, like Joseph, we ask for you to call us into our identity, call us into our strengths and our giftings so that we can use them for the betterment of the kingdom and to love and care for those around us. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.